0: Hello, and welcome to another great message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and video related to this message, please visit www.parkviewchurch.org. We're looking at a Beatitude this morning. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so, we are a country that's obsessed with purity. We're obsessed with drinking pure water. We're obsessed with eating pure food. You know, none of this genetically modified stuff for us. Uh, we're obsessed with pure gold. And so, because of that, we uh, are careful the kind of filters we get, we're careful with the kind of labels that we read. Uh, there, there are even companies you can spend a couple of thousand dollars and they'll come in and tell you why your house stinks. Well, I can tell you why your house stinks. Uh, you've got a dog. <laughs> That's easy. Um, well, as important as those things are, purity, food and water... And- Gold. Uh, There's something that we tend to overlook. And this thing that we overlook is this beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. So there's the side benefits of not only happiness or joy, internal joy, but you also get to see God as well. Now, just as a reminder, as we go through these beatitudes, again, the beatitudes reveal how it is to live as a citizen as in the kingdom of God. Uh, And every Christian is to manifest all of these uh, characteristics expressed in these Beatitudes and yet none of these characteristics come naturally. They all have to be infused by the Lord through the power of His Holy Spirit. And it's only possible because Jesus was the ultimate fulfillment of all of them, especially as we come to this one blessed are the pure in heart. Uh, if you go back to Genesis 2 and 3, you see that it, it all began with Adam and Eve walking in all purity with God. They actually uh, walked around, they were naked, they were uh, unashamed, they walked with God in the coolness of the morning. But when they decided to go their own way, that they had a maybe a better path, uh, they sinned against God. And immediately when they sinned against God, it says in verse 8, the man and his wife hid themselves Uh, from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden, and they clothe themselves with leaves and loincloths. And so it it expresses how you give up the purity, you're no longer in fellowship or in the presence of God. They actually hid from God. And yet Jesus, the second Adam, was God's solution to this, where he lived the perfect, pure life uh, so that we could then be rightly related to God and experience a relationship with him. The entire key to the Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes is sort of the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, is in Matthew 5.20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God, or you'll never see God. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Why would he say that? is because that's what we're going to be talking about today because their righteousness uh, was not a pure righteousness it was an external righteousness externally they did everything right but internally their heart wasn't pure uh, so happiness really stems from a from a heart condition happiness is really from the inside out so and if, if you say well what does that mean pure in heart. Uh, let's just look at the word for for purity. Uh, katharos is the word. It, it basically means to be something that's clean. And it was used a long time ago of clothes that were clean. They were pure. It went on to describe uh, um, chaff and grain that were mixed, that they were impure. But if you could separate the chaff from the grain, it would be grain that was pure. It described wine that wasn't uh, mixed with water. It was pure wine. It was the wine that Jesus served at the marriage feast of the Lamb. It was unadulterated. It was, it was pure. Uh, so that's exactly what the word means. Uh, Jesus did not say, blessed are the sinless for they shall see God. That's not at all what he said. Um, People, though, with pure hearts uh, don't have mixed motives. They're single-minded in their desire to see God. We're not talking about sinless perfection, but we are talking about a transparency that will go to God in confession and yield to God to be cleansed. That's what we're talking about. If we're talking about sinless sinlessness without transparency we're gonna see that today and that that would be the example of the scribes and the Pharisees where Jesus says unless your righteousness exceeds that you'll never see me you'll never enter into the kingdom of God so pure in heart basically means unmixed motives it would be our word the word that we use is the word uh, integrity A pure heart integrity. Uh, Or it comes from the Latin word integer, where we would, in mathematics, you use the word integer for a whole number. In other words, a whole made up of parts, which constitutes unity. So he's talking about a pure heart. Um, In other words, you would live a life of integrity where you wouldn't say one thing and live a different way. So what we're going to see today is that Jesus is just as concerned about why we do things as he is about what we do it's not that he's he's not he could care it's not like he could we could, he could care less about what we do now, obviously he wants the pure lives externally but he's saying what is critically important and has to start from an internal pure heart it flows from the inside out jesus was very compassionate with sinners um, you look at the woman who is caught. Whenever we think of purity, a lot of times in people's minds, it's not pure air, it's not pure food, it's, it's sexual purity. And when Jesus was confronted with this woman who was caught in adultery, I mean, he unloaded compassion upon her. And, and yet, when when you think of those who had externally had it all right, but internally were Filled with mixed motives, it was the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus unleashed fury upon those folks. He called them hypocrites, He called them hypocrites. He says, "You're just a bunch of hypocrites." Even though externally they did everything right, internally uh, they were so corrupt. Um, and and it's, it's a word that means "hupo" under under judgment. You're judged for this false appearance of goodness. The Greeks would use the word uh, for hypocrite as a play actor. And so just listen, for example, in Matthew 23, how, how Jesus just spared nothing for those who had impure hearts, even though the outside was very, very pure. In the in the eyes of others, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe mint, dill, cumin. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law: justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guide, straining in a net, swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees. You hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. Inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. First clean. First, he says, you clean the inside of the cup and the plate. That, that's the purpose clause. You start with the inside. That, the outside, will be okay. So he just goes on over and over. And God is very concerned, not just with the externals of what, when we think of purity, what it looks like on the outside. He is extremely concerned about uh, the consistency of what flows from the inside out. So when he uses the word pure, he means free from any adulterating matter. In other words, and that has got to start with the heart. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. They shall see God. So Jesus is saying, that's how it all begins. And um, I I wanna first start by just giving you some principles that come out of uh, Matthew chapter six. So when we're talking about purity of heart, I want you to meet a cardiologist who knows an awful lot about heart purity. Uh, His name is Dr. Jesus. And uh, so what, what Dr. Jesus is gonna do is first, he wants us to understand what is the foundation. So if you're gonna go to the doctor and maybe you've got a murmur, maybe there's something going on and you wanna get checked out, he might give you some foundation for good heart care, some basics for good heart health. And that's where Jesus starts. He's just gonna give us some basics for good heart health. And I want you to see three things that you have to understand if you're concerned about your heart. First, I'll just give them to you right up front, real quick. Number one, you've got to know that God sees everything. Number two, you've got to understand that motives, your motive is absolutely key. It's going to reveal what's going on in your heart. And thirdly, your priorities are absolutely essential. Those are, those are three things that reflect heart health. Um, God sees everything. Motives are key. Priorities are absolutely essential. So first of all, remember that God sees everything. So throughout these beatitudes then what will, what will happen is through the beatitudes now Jesus is going to explode those beatitudes over the next couple of chapters in the sermon on the mount and this one is so key about purity of heart he spends a whole next chapter Matthew 6 on it and so what I'd like to do is just look at that for, for a few minutes, three times in Matthew six, you're gonna see this one phrase repeated over and over and over. And it says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So nothing is secret from God. Nothing is hidden from God. There is nothing that would ever surprise him. Does that, does that bother you at all? Is there anything you've ever done, said, or thought that you wish Jesus hadn't have heard or, or seen? anything? If so, tell it. turn to the person next to you. No, I'm, I know you wouldn't tell him. I mean, you're not even telling God. Why in the world would you tell the person next to you? And, and the truth of the matter is, if the Lord sees it, if the Lord knows it, why wouldn't you just go ahead and acknowledge it? Just go ahead and confess it to him. Well, you say, well, why in the world would I want to confess it to God? Well, he sees it. And if we do, First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins acknowledging it before God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 4 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. We can go through life, folks, And and we can fake people out left and right. The Pharisees did a great job of it. We can do the same thing. I can do the same thing. But we will never be able to fake God out. And the amazing thing, even though you can fake other people out, you can't fake God out. And God still loves you. Isn't that incredible? God still loves you. That's the beauty of the gospel. So you might as well go ahead and confess it to God so that he can cleanse you of all unrighteousness, give you a pure heart so you can be rightly related uh, to God. The beauty is once we confess it to God, then the next step is we do confess it to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? So they can be praying for us. So they can be holding us accountable as well. So that there, in our lives, there'll then be that congruity between the inside of the cup and the outside of the cup. And that, all, all that does is help us in our relationship to God, our relationship to, with others, and it also increases the, the witness that we have within the world. That's how we started the Sermon on the Mount, showing that if we were to live this, we wouldn't need any evangelistic outreaches at all, ever. All we would have to do is actually live in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Beatitudes. It would make such a profound difference in the lives of people around us. So we confess our sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So remember that God sees everything. Secondly, review your motives. What's the motive? So in other words, do an honest evaluation of why you do what you do. Proverbs 24 says, If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart, that's motive, perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Uh, So these two phrases, weighs the heart and will he not repay, talks about motives and reward. So uh, God's telling us that our reward is, is not merely based on what we do, but the reward is actually based upon the motive, the heart behind what we, what we do. Now this is so important that Jesus wants to drive it again over and over and over in Matthew chapter six. Now later in the year, we're gonna actually go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, but just as a quick little peek at it. Uh, so he gives three examples of how the what you do to do what's really good is not there there's not a lot of reward there. there's no reward there so look at giving for example here's three giving now is there anything wrong with giving no of course not there's nothing wrong but if the motives wrong it can be very wrong thus when you give to the needy sound no trumpet before you as the, as the what as those who don't have pure hearts the hypocrites they're divided do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have their, and it's the word misthos. It's used throughout chapter 6, and I don't know why the translators translate it reward, and then the next word, apoditomai, reward as well. To me, what makes more sense is, they have their wage. That's their wage. That's their payback. Okay? But when you get to the needy, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will um, epididomai. They might give you recompense, reward. You'll be rewarded, an eternal reward from God, not just a pay for the day for doing something with a wrong, wrong motive. So not only, and that's a good thing. Giving is Good. I mean, we can give with all the wrong motives, too. At at church, that's why one of the basics of giving is to give with a joy, freely, with a joyful heart. That's motive. Uh, Even in our prayers, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they'll have their misthoughts, they'll have their pay, they'll have their wage. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret, your father who sees in secret will reward apoditomai. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, etc. There's another one, another real good one is, is fasting. I mean, it's a spiritual discipline that we probably don't speak highly enough of or often enough of. When you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've got their pay. I mean, it's great for your mitochondria. Just fast for three days; destroys mitoc- uh, destroys the deficient mitochondria. Uh, and that's your payback. It's good for you physically, but that's all there is. That's all you get. Pay wage. But when you fast and on your head wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will. Eternal rewards, recompense from God. You get all the spiritual benefits from it. So those are examples of the Pharisees who externally had Everything going right. They, they look so good on the outside, but they were so bad on the inside. Uh, there are a number of ways you can test this. Ask yourself, um, if, if there's something good that you've done, can you just not wait to share it with somebody else? Tell somebody else what you've done. I've done this, I've done that. Uh, my, my challenge would be, to examine your heart and just ask, why are you so insistent on telling others what you've done? Now, there might be some very good reasons. It might encourage somebody in their faith to maybe to follow you as you follow Christ. That might be a wonderful, might be a wonderful reason. But if the reason you're doing it is because of insecurity or the desire to be approved by others, that's not a very good reason. And you might need to spend some time with the ultimate cardiologist to do a little heart examination on, on the motive between, uh, for what you're doing. 1 Thessalonians 2 4 says, But just as we've been approved by man to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, listen, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who does what? Who tests our hearts. So let me ask you, what. It, what do you want to please, please the most? Do you want to please people, or do you want to please God? If you want to please people, you'll get your wage. But if you want to please God, you'll get a recompense, eternal rewards. Again, I want to make this real clear, say it one more time. Purity in heart doesn't mean being perfect. But being pure in heart does mean transparency, transparency before God that will drive you to the point of what we said at the very first part of the the, uh, Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for for they shall be comforted. It drives you to God as the source of, of all energy and all power and dependence upon his Holy Spirit. So God sees everything, motives are key. Thirdly, your priorities are absolutely essential, so realign your priorities. Exodus 20 says, you shall have no other gods before me. That's the very first commandment. Uh, So God just doesn't want any rivals in your life. I mean, that could be your career, your job, your husband, your wife, your kids, your hobbies, your habits. God wants first place. And a God is anything that has first place in your life. Uh, so how do you tell? How can you tell what your priorities are? So if, let's say you're concerned about your heart. Let's say you you're, maybe you're getting faint. Maybe you have a, somebody said you have a little murmur. Uh, so you go to a cardiologist. What's the cardiologist going to do? He's going to put an EKG on you and he, he's the ETA, EKG is going to print out and he's going to look at that EKG and he's going to look or she will look for some blips on that EKG scale. And there are some things that will be, oh, boy, there's a check, yeah, that's, that's not so good. And there'll be other things that they're looking for, like, oh, that's good, it's supposed to be just like that. So let's look at that, how do you test your heart? So what are, what are some of the warning blips on the EKG? So first of all, look at your activities and look at your treasures. In other words, where do you invest your time, where do you invest your treasures? That's the EKG that will determine what's going on inside of the heart. Matthew 6 says, "Don't lay up treasures, uh, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth, rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. for where here's the point. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. I mean, there are a lot of people who have an awful lot of money, but it's not their treasure. So I'm not saying you, it's, if you have any money you're wrong it's just is it where your heart is focused is it where your heart is focused because wherever your investment is that's where your heart's going to be so you know somebody can tell me, well this is my first priority, but you know if you, if you look at their bank account if you look at their 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 outlook you know how they're spending their time how they're spending uh, their their funds their treasures you you might question that or secondly look at look at what is causing anxiety in your life i think this is a great indicator that we sort of blow off what's causing the greatest anxiety in your life Uh, what do you worry about the most therefore i tell you don't be anxious about your life what you'll eat what you'll drink about your body what you'll put on in life more than food, the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. Consider, or I'm skipping, skipping some, and I'm going to come back to a couple of verses in a, se- in a second. Just want to make this point. Consider the lilies, how they grow. Don't be anxious saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And so what Jesus does, he says, look, here are the things that the world is going to be really anxious about. And he gives these five categories of what you can worry about, whether it be your, your finances in verse 19, or it could be your food in verse 25, uh, your, your fitness, how are you doing personally, your fashion, what you're wearing, your future, about tomorrow. And, and the point is, if you're finding yourself consumed and worrying about these things, it's quite possible that God might not be number one in your life. It's quite possible that you have a misplaced priority because you worry about the things that you feel you have control over. Worry says, worry really says, God, I've got this one. I'll take it. Thank you. And so you fret over those things. Thirdly, so look at your activities and your treasures. Look at your anxieties. Thirdly, look at your ambitions. See, my goals reveal the direction of my heart. Whatever's the number one goal in my heart is going to be what is number one in my life. So now I wanna go right back into that same passage that we just looked at, and I wanna highlight verses 31 to 33. Don't worry about these things. That's what the pagans in the ESV are seeking after. Another version. That's what the pagans are always looking for. In other words, this is their ambition in life. They're driven by this. This is what consumes them. Your heavenly Father knows that you need those things. Instead, set your heart first on his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. That's ambition. Now, here's an issue. For a lot of Christians, our ambition tends to be the exact same thing that everybody else in our neighborhood has. We're consumed, we worry about, we fret about the same things that everybody else in our neighborhood has. Because those are our ambitions. And doesn't it make sense, if we're we're going after the same things everybody else in our neighborhood goes after, then we're going to have the same stress everybody else in our neighborhood has. We're going to have the same headaches everybody else in our neighborhood has. We're going to have the same problems, the same concerns, the same anxieties that everybody else in our neighborhood has. That's why he says as he ends this section, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying, it's not that I don't care about these other things. He says, look, and all these other things are going to be added to you as well. That's his his point here. So I want us to look at on the positive side, what's gonna show up? You go to the doctor and, and the, the cardiologist is gonna look at your EKG and he goes, oh, here's some things going right. If your heart is right, it's gonna be clear. There are gonna be some blips and I don't know what they're called. I remember there used to be some letters or something that depicts them and I don't remember, I don't remember them anymore. But anyway, uh, here, here's some blips that, that should be present on your EKG. A pure heart, is conscious of God's presence. That's gonna be a blip that will be on a good EKG. A good heart, a pure heart, is conscious of God's presence. That's a mark of maturity, that you're much more aware or concerned about God than you are about people. An immature person always focuses on what will the people around me think? rather than what will God think. They're concerned about the people. So who do you want to please more in life? Do you want God to be pleased or do you want people to be pleased? So a pure heart is conscious of God's presence. Secondly, a pure heart is content with God's praise. In other words, if I have a pure heart, I'm gonna be concerned about the reward that comes from God, not the payback that comes from doing things for people. Remember, those are the differences between those two words. You'll have your wage. You'll have your pay versus reward. So the point is, I can't remember, it was was some famous preacher. I'll just call him Spurgeon. It wasn't Spurgeon. I think it was somebody that used to preach at Willow Creek. To live for the audience of one. That should be our posture. Look, I'm, I'm, I live my life. I do what I do for the praise of Jesus, not to please people or to hear their praise. I live for the audience of one. And that was, you know, in those examples that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 6, the very good things, good things, paying, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, giving or praying or fasting, all wonderful things. But I I tell you, the Pharisees, it was that hypocrisy, this internal hypocrisy that did everything for the wrong reasons. You know, they got their pay, but they missed out on the reward. And isn't it amazing uh, that if you're content with God's praise, you're not going to be willing to sell out your future reward for present wage. You won't give it up. Thirdly, a pure heart is going to be controlled by by God's priorities. And, and this is why, this is why we, we say it all the time, how you need to be in God's word. Uh, you need to be in community with others to understand what the priorities of God, what, what priorities he really has. So what is, it going to, what is a pure heart going to result in? So let's go right back uh, to the beatitude, an open, honest person of integrity, filled with unmixed motives, the two results will be blessedness, happiness, or an internal joy, even, even despite circumstances, there's going to be a happiness and a joy about you, not divided, uh, and you'll, you'll get to experience, you'll see God, that experience of a relationship with God in your life, and you'll get to see God even in the circumstances of life, and not to mention in heaven. And so you say, okay, uh, you're, you're sitting here, you feel convicted, and you go, man, Jeff, I absolutely, I need a clean heart. I, I mean, I do stuff for all the wrong reasons, all the wrong motives. You know, I, I do it for people, not for you. Um, you know, I, I do some good things, but all I'm going to get back is pay. There are not, not going to be any rewards here for me. Uh, what do I do? Do, please tell me, just tell me what I should do now. And all I'll say is, tough luck. You're sunk. There is absolutely nothing you can do. If you could, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come. The good news is, I can recommend you to an excellent cardiologist. Dr. Jesus, MD, Mighty Divine. And uh, the good news is he makes house calls. He doesn't cost a thing. The service is free. Uh, He's never lost a patient. Uh, He's an absolute expert at heart transplants. (laughs) That's the whole point of the Beatitudes. You can't do it, any of these yourself. You have to trust Christ. This this was the plea. Do you remember David? I mean, here's a a man after God's own heart, but he had such a mixed heart. Don't you remember at the time when kings were to go out to battle, he looks out on the rooftop, there's Bathsheba taking a bath. He can't wait just to have her. Uh, Sends for her, has sex with her. Gets her pregnant. And then when he finds out that she's married to somebody, boy, he virtually just kills him. He's confronted. Again, I'm not talking about sinlessness, but I am talking about transparency, which will lead to confession. That was David. Transparent, and also eager to confess so he cries out in Psalm 51 create he knew it's not fix it Lord I need it fixed he says Lord create in me a clean heart Oh God renew a right spirit within me and that's why Jesus was sent by God that's why God became a human being in the flesh God man to live an absolutely pure life the sinless blameless unblemished Lamb of God went to the cross and died in your place so that all of his righteousness could be Credited to your account as a free gift of his grace there is not that's why I said there is nothing you can do tough luck too bad if you will trust him if you will receive that gift Jesus will create in you a clean heart so what do you need to do to get it? First of all, you got to be willing to go in for the checkup. That's the first thing. Are you willing to admit there's a need? The acknowledgement of sin, the confession of sin. God, I need a new heart. God, I've gone my own way. God, I've done things according to my plan, my schedule. I've been, I've been doing things for all the wrong motives Externally, I might have some things right. Internally, it's corrupt, it's black, uh, it's, it's no good. I need a new heart. Will you at least be transparent enough to confess that and pour out your spirit to him, just like it says in those first uh, couple of beatitudes. Blessed are the poor. That's being poor in spirit. That's blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. That's what I'm asking you to do, to examine your heart. Is is it hard? Anger and bitterness piled up. Is it divided? Part of you you enjoy coming to church. I mean, there's part of that. And and then the other part, just wanna live like hell on Monday How do you get that clean heart? Well, let's pray together. After I pray, uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask. Or while, while I'm praying, of Scott Gasco, we're gonna have a commissioning for Scott and for his team that will be uh, planning this new church that we've talked about. Uh, they'll make their ways on up here. And if, if there are any elders in the congregation in this service, if you'll come on up at the same time, and. Um, we're going to have a time of commissioning for them. And after we pray for them, um, then you're dismissed, okay? So let me, let me pray, and then those folks can make their way on up. God, we're just coming to you this morning as, as transparent people. Uh, we don't want to we know we can't pull the wool over your eyes we know there can be nothing secret within us that we can keep from you so we just admit it lord we need a new heart <laughs> i need a pure heart and it's not so help me lord in the process become way more aware of your presence that, that you can just see everything and thank you even though you can see everything thank you for for loving me and loving me enough that you would even Send your son, Jesus, to die for me. Lord, you know every single thing that we've done, there are no locked doors, there are no secrets that we can keep from you, and every thought, whether it be a thought of impurity or a thought of anger, perhaps a thought of depression, or even a thought of suicide, uh, Lord, uh, to be honest, it's so hard for us to even believe that with these thoughts going on inside, that you still love us so much. And so like David, we just cry out to you. We don't need a heart remake. We need for you to create in us a new, clean heart. So God, help us by your Holy Spirit for those who know you to realign our priorities, to put you first in our lives. Lord, that we might begin to experience that internal joy and happiness from the inside out. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here who hasn't personally come to that point of trusting you, just to be transparent enough to say, Jesus, I need this new heart. I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Come and make me into a new person. And I'm going to trust you. Just take me step by step. I don't even know the next step, but I'm going to trust you for it. So we love you. We thank you for this all. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Parkview Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's word. For additional teaching, resources, podcasts, as well as information on who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website at www.parkviewchurch.org.